this morning, I, you know, it, you got to preach the, the Palm Sunday message, right? And uh, as I was actually, so in the mornings when I'm opening the shop, it's really early, and so I have playing usually the Word of God. I just have it playing. I, I, sometimes I miss some stuff, you know, as I'm busy working, but it's just filling the atmosphere of my shop and my heart. And so as I was kind of listening, I was going through Samuel last week, and this phrase caught my attention, the appointed time, the appointed time, and it just began to resonate resonate within me. And so this morning, I want to just take a few minutes to encourage your hearts concerning the appointed times of the Lord for you. And and so we're going to begin, of course, out of Luke chapter 19. And and this is simply just the account of Jesus drawing near to Jerusalem And so, starting in verse 28, it says, When he had said this, Jesus, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat." Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing that? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. Hmm, there's a little side note. Loosening stuff in your life because the Lord has need of it. Oh, I could preach right there. That one just hit me. Keep going to verse 32. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them, But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And here come our religious people. And some of the Pharisees called to Jesus from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. The triumphal entry is actually a marking point of the appointed time of Jesus. And... And we're going to be looking, kind of walking through a couple of accounts. But up until now, it had not been Jesus' appointed time. And so the entry to Jerusalem marks the beginning of Jesus' appointed time. 
Now, appointed times are significant in our life, and I, I know that just a few months at the beginning of the year, Pastor Gary had preached a message on the suddenlies of God. You remember that sermon? And really, the suddenlies come because it's the appointed time of God. And when it's the appointed time of God, it's suddenly, right? It's time. And so in our lives, a lot of times we spend our lives waiting for the appointed time, for that suddenly. And, and here's, there are a lot of decisions you can make in life in the waiting. And so how we wait for the appointed times will really determine whether the appointed times come into fruition or not. And so the truth is, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we know this and we even love to sing this song, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are what? They are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen, the so let it be, is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us and set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. And so the promises of God in your life are what? They are yes and amen. I was, as I was preparing for this, you've all, I think m most of you anyway, have heard me refer to my daughter-in-law's first pregnancy when I was down living with them for a month in their little apartment on CFNI campus. And I, I, I went down thinking, oh, we need to give a little extra time just in case something happens. And three and a half weeks later, I'm still waiting. And it was the most torturous, like, I mean, you know me, I, I'm like, I'm not a let's just sit around kind of a person. Even if I'm sitting around watching TV, I'm usually working on my computer or, or sleeping <laughs> or knitting, right? And so I, that was like three and a half weeks of nothingness. I was dying. I'm like, God, this child has to come because I cannot take this sitting around anymore. And so what did I spend my weeks down there waiting for? What did I do? I, I was like, I was making her cookies with ingredients that are supposed to trigger labor. We were. I was. I was like, let's go get the bouncy ball. You're going to bounce for a while. Okay, it's time to go walking. Let's go walking. We were trying to come up. With, and then if I wasn't doing those, I was looking for more ways to trigger labor online. What can we do to get this pregnancy moving? And so what is, there was this promise of life inside of her. But it didn't, it didn't matter what I was doing. There was an appointed time for that child to be born, and he was not coming until the appointed time. <laughs> it didn't matter what I tried. Nothing was going to change that appointed time. And then the, the, the weekend that she began to deliver, it was, I still feel trauma sometimes thinking back. I was in there all through the delivery. And as somebody that had, thankfully, very easy deliveries with, with four kids, 
it was traumatic. I was like, it, it was traumatic. At the end of it, she's starting to go in shock. And I, I, I still feel the trauma on it. And so it was a long, long delivery. And so you think it's, it, was, he was, it was the 30th, getting close to midnight. And so I had been messaging my mom, and she's like, oh, he's going to be born any minute now because it's your grandfather's birthday today. I'm like, yes, he's going to be born on the 30th for sure. No. Like 10 minutes after midnight, he, they finally had to pull him out. And so even in your mind, what makes sense is this would be a good appointed time, great-grandpa's birthday. No. No. So even your logic and when the appointed time should come into fruition mean nothing. The appointed time has an appointed time, and we don't get to set those times. Praise the Lord. We made it through that. <laughs> the next one came a lot better. But we, we can, try, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, you can try to make it happen in your appointed time, but God says, no, I have a time. And so when we look at the triumphal entry, we see this as the marking of Jesus's appointed time. And so here in Luke chapter 7, I'm going back a little bit just to show you that there was a specific appointed time for Jesus. And so in verse 28, it says, Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple, saying, you both know me and you know where I am from, and I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know, but I know him. For I am from him, and he sent me. Therefore, so they didn't like this, his claims, right, of being God and being from God. And so they sought to take Jesus. Numerous times they sought the downfall of Jesus. But it says, no one laid a hand on him. Why? Because his hour had not come. His hour had not come. His appointed time had not come. And so when Jesus is coming toward Jerusalem, what we see him saying is the time has come. Once he gets nearer to the city, this is where Jesus begins to weep over the city, over Jerusalem. And so back into Luke 19, as Jesus drew near, he sees the city and he weeps over it, saying, if you had known even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave you and they will not leave in you one stone upon another why because you did not know the time of your visitation jesus is saying i am here the visitation is among you and you don't even see it so what is jesus saying my appointed time has come the time of visitation has come 
And this is powerful. Why? Because what we begin to see is that Jesus is not a victim, but Jesus willingly laid down his life. And so if you go a couple chapters further into Luke 22, we, we see the arrest of Jesus. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the captains of the temple and the elders who had come to him, have you come out? This, so he's in the garden, right? And he just got done praying. Now they're coming to arrest Jesus. And, and you remember Peter cuts off the ear of one of the soldiers. They had taken up weapons to fight this fight of defending Jesus. Jesus never needed it. They had tried already, but it wasn't his appointed time, so they couldn't touch him. And so Jesus, now he says to, to them, what are you doing? Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? I was with you daily in the temple. You did not try to seize me. Why? Because it wasn't his time. But now Jesus says, this is your hour and the power of darkness. This is now the appointed hour for the enemy. And Jesus willingly, at this point, allows them to lay hands upon him. Why can they do it now? It is his appointed time. Jesus was not a victim of the cross. He willingly laid down his life at the appointed time. And in John chapter 5, it says, Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son does, right? So Jesus is saying, I have chosen to live my life in obedience to the Father. What the Father does, that's what I do. And so in light of that lifestyle, here's what Jesus in John chapter 10 says, Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me. The soldiers did not take it from Jesus. The enemy did not take it. From Jesus. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I received from my father. And so Jesus has been in the garden and, and he's facing the cross and he is weeping tears as he says, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. I really, really don't want to do this. But not my will be done, but yours. He willingly laid down. Even, even with the Father, the command came from the Father that Jesus has the power to lay down his life and to take it up. Jesus willingly for you and for me let himself be taken by those soldiers and be led to the cross. Why? It was the appointed time for him to take the punishment of our sins. 
And until the appointed time, there is no power of the enemy that could do anything about it. This is the power of appointed times or God moments. And you all, if we were to go around this room, all of you have deep within you promises that you carry that you know come from God. They are promises that at the appointed time are yes and amen in Christ. Here's where our tension, our struggle lies. We would like to control the appointed times. <laughs> we would like to control when the yes and amen happens. I, I know this is true. Why, I, see, I know why Starbucks built their building the way they did. They built it so that when you enter into the um, drive through you are trapped. If the line is long and slow, you're stuck. You are stuck until you give them your money. See, this is not the case with me. We watch cars pull away when they have to wait too long. They have freedom to leave my place. Why? Because heaven forbid we should wait two minutes to get what we want. We would like to control the appointed times. I would love to control the appointed time for the return of my son to Christ. I would like to have happened three years ago, right? I have no control. God is working something out that he knows of and I don't. Some of you have been, have been carrying a promise of healing. And you would like to control the appointed time, right? I'm in pain. I would like healing right now, which is not, a, you know, that seems like a normal feeling to have. Or you've had somebody give you a prophetic word and you have not seen it come to pass. There's a point at a time. And we don't control the appointed times. I want us to spend a few moments with Saul in Psalm or in 1 Samuel 13. This is what caught my attention as I was um, preparing this. This account is one of my favorite accounts in the Old Testament. These chapters from like 1 Samuel 13 through 15, uh, because it's really an account of, of walk, what it is to walk in obedience in an extreme way. And, and Saul did not get it. Saul had just been anointed as king. He was the first king of Israel, right? And so he had been given a command by the, by the prophet Samuel. And Samuel had given him directions to go and to wait for him seven days. And Samuel would come and offer the sacrifice. And so in uh, chapter 13, verse 7, as for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days. Now, they've been in encounters with their enemy, which is why there's some trembling going on. Then he waited seven days according to the time set 
by Samuel. Samuel had said, I'm going to come, I'm going to, give the offer, I'm going to give the sacrifice, and I'm going to give you further instruction on what you need to do. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people, but, did I say Saul? But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the, the burnt offering. Let's remember, he is not a priest. He is not a Levitical priest. He had no business offering it. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, well, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be the commander over his people because you have not kept the, what the Lord commanded you. The kingdom was taken from him. He wanted control of the appointed time. And the appointed time was established by Samuel. And here's the issues. Saul had some issues, first of all, with his ego, right? He wanted to be lifted up in front of the people. He was getting nervous that the people were scattering from him. And he knew the next step was to go fight the enemy, which is what he was waiting for direction on from Samuel. But he got a little bit like we all get, antsy to be doing something about the problem. And so he took matters into his own hands. And he offered the sacrifice that he had no business offering. And he made it sound so spiritual. The enemy is about to come. I was just offering supplication. I was just offering a prayer. The people were afraid, and they were scattered. And Saul was done waiting. And he lost the kingdom over it because he did not wait for the appointed time. And if you go, we're going to look at a verse a couple chapters later in a, in a few moments. This isn't the first time. He then goes on to disobey again, Samuel, and disobey the word of the Lord. And he, at that time, also made it sound spiritual. In Galatians chapter 6, it says, Not to become weary in doing good, for at the proper time... We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. 
Saul lost his harvest because he grew weary of waiting for the appropriate time, for the appointed time. And he, the, the harvest was lost to him of, of being king. And so often when you are in the place of waiting for the appointed time for that answered prayer, the accuser of the brethren, your enemy, if he can wear you down in standing and waiting and believing, he will, sometimes that's all he has to do is wear you down so that you stop praying, so that you stop standing in faith, so you stop looking for the appointed time. And as soon as you do that, you lose your harvest. You've now stepped away from the position of receiving the harvest. You grow weary waiting for the appointed time. God is in control of the appointed times. And these delays, these seeming delays, what they do is they reveal what's in the heart. It revealed what was in the heart of Saul. And the delays that we have often reveal what's in our heart. If there's fear there, if there's pride, if there's doubt, if there's willfulness, self-willfulness, the seeming delays of the appointed times will reveal what's inside. And do you know what? When, when I was waiting for that three and a half weeks for that child to be born, and there was nothing else I could do, do you know what that seeming delay revealed? I've talked with you about this before. It revealed through that time it was a time where God began to expose the spirit of failure that I was battling. Had that child been born two weeks prior on time, I would never have faced that which was inside of me. The seeming delays of the appointed times reveal what's inside. When Jesus was faced with his appointed time of arrest, it revealed what was in him. Father, not my will, but your will be done. It revealed his obedient heart to the will of the Father. And so, whether it's good or bad, the delay will reveal what is inside of you. And, and often we think he's only revealing the negative, but sometimes there are things in you, strengths, that you didn't even know you had, that when you have to delay in the appointed time of answer, God begins to reveal and, and show you, wow, look at the strength that you didn't know you had. And so it doesn't matter what it is inside, it reveals. Good or bad, it reveals. And so what this comes down to, and what it came down to for Jesus, is trust. Jesus trusted the Father and the Father's will. And so what that means for us is that we have to trust the shepherd to lead us through our appointed times, okay? And, and so Jesus says in John chapter 10, my sheep, they what? They know my voice. They hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And, and so you can walk through the delays. You can walk through the waiting times 
because you trust your shepherd that he's leading you to good places. And he's not just, he's not the enemy trying to wear you down. That's the enemy's job. He's the one that's empowering you to stand strong and to know him in the waiting for the appointed times. See, Sarah, you remember Abraham and Sarah, pregnancy just seems to be associated with appointed times. Sarah tried to manipulate her promise from God, right? She had been waiting and waiting. They've been given the promise of many children, and here she is, an older woman, barren, and she gets tired of waiting for the appointed time, and she begins to manipulate to make it happen, right? And so she sends, she sends the servant into her husband to have a child through her servant, and it caused nothing but problems, nothing but problems. And all along in Genesis 17, God said, my covenant I will establish with Ishmael, no, with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. There was an appointed time for the fulfillment of the promise. And she caused so much trouble because she tried to manipulate the promise to her timeline. She did not trust the one that gave the promise, the one that set the appointed time. She did not trust she took it into her own hands. And what we see is that obedience while we are waiting is key. It was key for Jesus. Jesus spent his time waiting for that appointed time to come, walking in obedience to the Father. And so when we are in our waiting moments for that time of fulfillment of the promise, what do we do? We walk in obedience to Jesus. When you cannot see the fulfillment of the promise, you just keep walking in obedience. Whether you see that promise or not, you keep walking in obedience. Because the truth is, later on, a couple of chapters in 1 Samuel 15, Samuel had told Saul, when you go and fight the enemy, you are to kill everybody and everything, every sheep, including the king. Saul disobeyed. And he spared the king's life, and he spared some of the best sheep, some of the best livestock, why? Oh, this is going to sound spiritual. So they could offer sacrifices to the Lord. Was that the word of the Lord to him? No. The word of the Lord was kill everything. And so when, when Samuel comes walking along, he's like, what is this noise that I hear? Why do I hear the bleeding of sheep? They should all be dead. And Saul's like, well, we just saved some of the best. We wanted to offer God a sacrifice. Oh, it sounds so spiritual. Again, Saul, Samuel said, the kingdom has been taken from you. You have not, again, you have not walked in obedience. And then Samuel, this old prophet, went and did what he didn't. And 
cut them all down. Extreme obedience. I love that. He's not looking for your sacrifice. He's looking for your obedience. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you do what? You obey me. It's as simple as that. It's not overcomplicated. If you love me, you obey me. And so while I wait for these promises, I keep obeying. I just keep whatever Jesus puts in front of me, I keep obeying. Again, in John 5, what did Jesus say? I can do nothing but what I see the Father doing. And so as we walk in obedience toward our appointed times, our suddenlies, so to speak, I think that this obedience and this building of trust is an important part of the process because often the, appoint, the fulfillment of the appointed time does not look like what you think all along, thought all along it was going to look like. And so when we come back to our triumphal entry, we have them at the beginning, right? Jesus, Hosanna. And then what they discover now is that, wait a minute, he's not setting himself up to be king on this earth. He's not setting himself up to free us from Roman rule. This is what they wanted. They thought the promise would free them from the Romans. And Jesus was never, ever about that. He had another kingdom he was setting up. And, and so they're calling now for the crucifixion. Why? Because the fulfillment of the appointed time did not look like what they thought it should look like. And often God is answering your prayers and you don't see it because it doesn't look like what you think it should look like, what you want it to look like. And the truth is, in Isaiah 55, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so often we miss the fulfillment of God's appointed time for us and fulfilling of promises because we don't like what it looks like. And often it's because it means I have to change something about me. <laughs> Lord, you promised restoration of this relationship, and you're waiting for it to look a certain way, really for that person to change, when the fulfillment's coming as you change, as I change. And, and so... The, the fulfillment, no, none of them thought that Jesus' rule, his kingdom, would look like what it ended up looking like. 
They, they didn't see that coming, and they didn't like it. And so part of the trust and obedience that's developed in the waiting is so that when the fulfillment comes, we trust that it looks like it's supposed to look like, because God has caused it to look like that. And it ends up, if we will embrace that, being better than what we ever could have thought ourselves. And so, lastly today, as you are in waiting times for the fulfillment, there has to be the constant expectation of, it, of the promise fulfilled. See, Sarah lost her expectation, so she manipulated to make it happen, right? She lost her sense of expectation. And, and if we look in the New Testament in regards to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we, we have the, the account of the ten virgins, right, who had their lamps. They were going out to wait for the bridegroom, Five of them were wise, right? Five of them were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. The wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Oh, but what happened? The bridegroom was delayed. <laughs> the appointed time was delayed. And they fell asleep. And then comes the cry at midnight. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. And the virgins arose. They trimmed their lamps, got them ready. And the, and the foolish ones are like, wait a minute. I have no light. Give us some of your oil. And the wise say, no, there's not going to be enough for us if we give you oil. You go out and buy it for yourself. And so while they're out buying their oil, the bridegroom comes, and those who were ready went with him in the wedding. And the door was shut. And afterward, the, t the other virgins, they come also, Lord, Lord, open the door to us. And he says, wait a minute, surely I do not know you. The door was closed. Watch, therefore, for you, neither, you know neither the day or the hour of the return of the Son of Man. We, we still have that promise yet to be fulfilled, don't we? There's still an appointed time for the return of Christ. And so we stand in a place of faith both for promises in our personal lives and our families and, and the dreams and the, the visions of our lives, even as we await the return, the final appointed time for the return of Christ. And to see the fulfillment and not lose the appointed time means you have to live with expectancy, prepared and ready for both your personal life and your family and for the very return of Christ. Because the day is coming. And what can happen is thousands of years later, we look around and say, yeah, they were saying that years and years ago, 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, they were saying that there will come a day and the Son of Man will return 
the appointed time will come. And so this morning in Genesis 18, I want to finish with this verse. Is anything too hard for the Lord? (laughs) Is anything too hard for the Lord? Sometimes the mountains in front of us seem very big and very immovable. And who is God asking this question to? He, He is saying it to Abraham and Sarah. You are past the days of childbearing. It does not make sense for you to give birth to a child. It cannot happen physically. You're incapable. There's nothing in you that can produce a child. But is anything too hard for the God that created it all? Is anything too hard for him that can speak life over a body and let life come into it and be birthed in it? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And sometimes we let, even that word that Randy shared this morning from the Lord, sometimes we let the mountains of our life get so big and looming that our eyes are fixed on it. And we've got to get them off of it and get them onto the Lord whom there is nothing too hard for. Can he heal and redeem a marriage? Yes, he can. Can he heal and redeem a body? Yes, he can. Can he heal and redeem relationships with your children? Yes, he can. Can he take you out of the place where your your finances are in a shambles? Can he take and can he bring peace out of that chaos of a mess you're struggling with? Yes, he can. Can he take the anxiety and the depression that is gripping you? Can he take that? And can he bring wholeness? Can he bring joy and life to it? Yes, he can. Yes. Is anything too hard for my God? Is anything? He's asking that question. Is there anything? He's not expecting them to say, well, yes, God, I think that Sarah might not be able to give a ch- have a child. I think that might be too hard for you. Is he expecting that as an answer? No, he's not. He's not expecting you to say anything is too hard. Nothing is too hard for the one that spoke the universe into existence. (laughs) Whose voice is still resonating throughout the universe. Is anything too hard? For the sins that I keep, for the bondages in my life that keep, I, I keep going back to that sin Is there anything that God cannot free you from? No. No. The deepest sinner, he can, he he can, not just can, he did. At the cross, he took the power of that sin on the cross. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you. I will return to you. I remember after I I miscarried my first pregnancy, 
And I, I remember this similar. I, I had been at the altar and just letting, you know, the Lord heal the grief from that. And my pastor, who he's a very prophetic man, John King, who pastored at Riverside, he came over and he gave me a word and he said, this time next year you will hold a son. And what was he saying? There's an appointed time this time next year. And to the month, I was pregnant with Jeremy. There was an appointed time. And I had to walk through the grief and I had to walk through the waiting and, and all of that. I like to tell Jeremy, you know, Jeremy, you're only here because you have a sibling in heaven. So you make sure that you live your life well. <laughs> but there was an appointed time and God fulfilled the promise at the appointed time. And, and sometimes we know the appointed times like that. I, I was given an appointed time. Often you don't know. We don't know the appointed time of the return of Christ, right? Often we don't know them. But God is busy at work when you do not see. And the trust and the obedience comes because you know he's at work. And so, God, I'm going to keep trusting you, and I'm going to keep walking in obedience because you never know when that trust and that obedience are going to activate the fruition of the appointed time with him working when you do not see it. Amen? And so, will you just stand with me this morning? I don't know what it promise you're carrying in your heart. I know the ones that I carry in my heart. And sometimes, you know, the word even says that um, delays, they can make you sick at heart, right? That's not the right word, but delay of promises, the fulfillment, they, they, can, they can make you sick at heart. And, and so sometimes there is grief in waiting for promises. But we don't grieve like the world does. I miss my son, right? I haven't seen him for two years. But I don't grieve as one that has no hope. God has given me promises. And the thing that sustains me is not my grief and my loss. This thing that sustains me are my, the promises that God has given to me. And I refuse to be moved from those promises because my standing on those promises are warfare for my child, right? And, and so some of you, sometimes are, you've been believing for so long, you can kind of get shifted off of the promise. And God wants to realign you again today to the promises. And he wants you to stand firm on them and not be moved. Because there is an appointed time. The promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. 
And if He has given you a promise, He will see the fulfillment of the promise. But you got to stay firmly established, your feet immovable on those promises. You got to get your focus off of the the, the difficult situation, the hopelessness, you got to get yourself off of that place and get it on to the rock that is Christ Jesus. For the fulfillment is coming on the rock that is Christ Jesus. And so, Father, today I pray that your people would sense a shifting. The, even years they have some of them have been carrying promises for years now and and our hearts can grow faint as we wait for the promise and i pray right now for a courageous spirit for a spirit of strength that even as paul prayed for the ephesians that their inner man might be strengthened by the power of the holy spirit today god i pray that the inner men would be strengthened the inner man of each woman of each man of each young person in this place would be strengthened by the power of the holy spirit to be immovable 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 on the promises of god we declare our trust in you father we declare our trust in you we declare our trust in your word your word says it and so we believe it in jesus name in jesus name and so father would you forgive us for getting our eyes off of you would you forgive us for getting our eyes off of the promise would you forgive us for for in that moment like peter we we got our eyes on all of the 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 waters and the circumstances around us that cause us to begin to sink and sometimes you feel like you're sinking and you're getting overwhelmed by by all of the the troubles in life and god is saying get your eyes up on me get your eyes up on me i'm the author i am the finisher of your faith he is the author he is the finisher and so god forgive us for trying to manipulate our circumstances forgive us for trying to manipulate your promises into fruition and we offer them back up to you and say god whether we see the promise fulfilled or not has no bearing we trust in you and we walk in obedience to you whatever the outcome whatever the outcome for we've already been made victorious in christ jesus thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord hallelujah 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 jesus it's his job it's not our job it's his job to cause the appointed times to come into fruition and some of you are carrying, you've carried a weight, you've put a burden on yourself to see the fulfillment come. And, and you got to cast that off. It's not yours. You are not the fulfiller of the promises. Christ is the fulfiller of the promises. You stand in faith. You stand in trust. You stand walking in obedience. And you let God do his thing. Nothing is too hard for him. Nothing is too hard in your life for him. Nothing is too hard for him in your life. Nothing is too hard. You got to get to know the creator of the universe because he is your father. You are a son and a daughter of the creator of the universe. And what God wants to give good gifts to his children. 
He wants to give good gifts to his children. Your father is the creator. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, God, I pray that your sons and daughters would know who they are in you. They would know their identities. They would know, I am a son of the Most High God. I am a daughter of the Most High God. The world can say whatever it wants. My family can say whatever it wants. Even me. Sometimes we say things that are not in alignment with being a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And so, Father, I ask that true identity would be revealed to your children. That we would walk in confidence that our Father fulfills his promises to his children. And Father, I do pray for everyone that's been carrying the hope of a fulfillment. We thank you that you are speedily fulfilling those promises. We thank you that you are speedily fulfilling those promises and bringing them into fruition. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. So let it be, right? So let it be.